Well, it's week three. I just want to say Merry Christmas. That's, thank you. We, we need to say that as many times as we can. I mean, the song that we started the whole service with, Joy to the World. I mean, when, when I say Merry Christmas, that's the first song that comes to my mind. It's just the joy we have in Jesus' birth. So if you don't know me today, my name's Anne, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're online with us, we're so glad that you've come to join us. And we want to just invite all of you, whether you're in person or online, uh, to make comments, to post in the comment section, to throw your questions out there. Questions are good. And let us know how this talk intersects with your life. Uh, that is so encouraging, but it also is a faith builder for all of us. We hear your story. We hear what God's speaking to you. So I want to invite you to that. Well, in week three of our celebration, first of all, week one was hope. And no, the low candle does not mean we're growing low on hope. It just means it's been out there for a while. Okay? And uh, the second week was grace. Last week, Jared just shared that powerful word on the grace that God's brought to us in the sending of his son, the arrival of his son. And today, we're going to light the peace candle, something that we and our world need more of. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I have to say, I should say that I and this world needs more of it. I really shouldn't speak for you, but I can speak for myself because I'm going to start with a confession this morning. Um, I started this past week with the words, I, I'm worried about, and I wasn't saying it to Jared or to another person. It was my car talk. Okay, any of you do that? Talk while you're driving in the car? Just kind of talk my thoughts, if you will. Yes, I know they're out there in front of the Lord all the time. Uh, but that's how I started. And then I started thinking, I have had more sleepless nights than I can recall having ever in my life in the past six months. More sleepless nights. Any of you with me in that? Yeah, oh, that makes me feel good. I'm not alone here in this. And when I have something like that happen where there's a change in my habits, because I'm like known for the girl that when she stops, she drops, boom. You know, I'm out for the count and I'll sleep all night, uninterrupted sleep. But that hadn't been my experience. So I was going over this with the Lord and he kind of showed me the three things that he saw as the big reasons why I was experiencing that. And the first was this, I feel responsible for things that I have no control over. <laughs> Anybody going to identify with that? <laughs> yeah, more of us. Secondly, that ministry in life is a series of often ungrieved losses. And there have been a lot of losses in the last season or two. So uh, one of those, I attended to, a, uh, I led a celebration service um, in honor of the sister of one of my Women Growing Together leaders, Julie Cray's sister, Sandy, who at 49 died. Um, and... That was just one of the uh, experiences. But also then I went on Facebook the next morning, up pops your memory from so many years ago. Well, this was a memory from three years ago. It was a picture of my women growing together leaders, of which Julie is one. And it, they were all at my home for a Christmas thing. And when I looked at that group of 12 women, there were five of them that have moved away. Most of them in the last year. Five, almost, that's almost 50% of them. Those little things are, well, we know new, God brings new people and there's, that's exciting. Those represent losses, right? There is a break in the relationship because we, we can't be together on a daily basis. We can't share life together like we did. And then there's the, on, the third thing that the Lord showed me is the ongoing division amongst people with different views on all things related to the pandemic. Okay, and, and this one affects us as well, and it's still in, in, uh, 
influencing things. When I try to plan a family event, I have to think about our extended family. And in that, there's some people who will not come to that event simply because it's going to require them to wear a mask or because they think differently about the vaccination requirements or whatever the venue is going to require of us, those kinds of things. I didn't used to have to think about that. It didn't even used to be a thing. And so in that, there is some loss because there's people missing around my table. And that's even for my mom's birthday because of that. And that really um, makes me sad that that happens. Um, And... So these are the three things that he kind of showed me. I'm sure that there was more if I gave him more time. But I want you to, I've shared with you a little bit about my week and what I was thinking about. But I want you to do a little peace assessment. And I've picked up four pictures for you to relate to. They're numbered, one, two, three, and four. Different kinds of uh, pictures to represent our inner state of peace or lack thereof. And I'd like you to take just a moment, look at that one, and think about which one best describes you right now lately. And then I'd like you to turn and share it either with somebody right next to you or somebody just behind you or to the side of you. Let's take just a moment and share with each other. Where do you see yourself here and what are the reasons you think you're in that spot? Let's go ahead and turn and share. I love hearing the sound of that conversation, you know, where there's a lot of people in the room talking, because that's, that's a rarity um, nowadays. Well, I want to just review with us the Greek word for peace is irene, and it's related to the Hebrew word, the one that many of us are more familiar with if you've visited an, a Jewish community anywhere, and that's shalom. And both of these words are what I call a comprehensive word when it comes to peace. It each includes Everything we need for our well-being. What do I mean by everything? I mean our spirit, our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and our body, which is our physical realm. And all of these together comprise this biblical word for peace. It's not just peace in our mind. It's peace in our emotions. It's peace, it's peace in our thinking. It's peace in our bodies where our heart rate isn't accelerated. And, um, you know, when it starts thumping out of your chest, you know that you're experiencing some, some anxiety. So this is the word that's going to show up in scripture over and over again for peace and in the scriptures we read. And then I'm always interested in what are the opposites then of peace? Because I want to recognize like, okay, that's happened for me. I know that. And here's just a few of the words we'd use as opposites. One is fear. One is chaos, agitation, conflict, trouble, alarm, sadness, pain, 
all of these are words that might describe you or something that someone you love is going through. At the beginning of the last service, I was with one of our moms here at Evergreen who just got the news that her cancer was inoperable at this point. The surgeon even used the words, this is a terrible picture. Very, very difficult. That is not peace. That is not what brings peace. I want to give us today four reasons that we can let go of fear and anxiety and have peace of mind and heart and soul and body. And these are four reminders for any of us today who walk in the room like my friends who actually received the word so amazing last service, experienced God's peace because of it. When we're afraid, if you're anxious today, if you feel conflicted, if you walked in slightly agitated about something, or maybe you're sad. And these four reasons that we can let go of fear all come straight out of the first Christmas story, the true story of Jesus' birth. His birth story. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, Jesus' birth story. You know, have you ever been around a group of women where one of them has just had a baby and they begin to tell about their experience? Okay, that's a domino effect. Okay, because if there's any other women in the room, maybe even sometimes some of the guys will chip in, but if there's any other women in the room, they're going to start telling their stories. And it's this confab with details shared that typically you would not reveal in mixed company. And I think, yeah, thank you very much. Yes, the men agree. <laughs> That's so great. So the thing is, they all share three things in common, if you really listen to birth stories. Okay, the first is pain. Do I get an amen from the women? Yes. Varying degrees of pain, which we shall describe for you and rate. Uh, the, the second one is that we all have a few anxious moments or anxious hours. Somewhere in that birth process, there's this feeling of uncertainty or what's going to happen next. But thirdly, often something does not go as planned, right? Some, sometimes it's a big thing, that part of it, that doesn't go as planned. Like, you know those birth plans they have you make out of Lamaze or other birthing classes? Okay, we had Lamaze and we had a birth plan bang, out the window. The only thing I kept was the focal point in the breathing, but uh, the rest of it, it just didn't go quite the way um, we had planned. So Jesus' birth story met all of this criteria, all three of them. It involved pain and uncertainty and anxious moments. And yeah, it was, it was just like stuff did not go as planned. And isn't this the perfect recipe for anxiety and worry and fear? So what I want to do with you today is to unpack Jesus' birth story. And we want to look at the four major characters and see what we learn about peace from the people in his story. And the first one of those characters we'll look at is Zechariah. And Zechariah heard these words from an angel. Don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. That's significant. Zachariah and Elizabeth were relatives of Mary, and they'd been praying for a child for years, but they were still childless. And the Bible tells us that now they were not just old, they were very old. And it's Zachariah's turn to serve in the temple. 
and offer incense, as this, and this is what happens. We read out of Luke 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Okay, so Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a baby, and it's not just any baby. It's a boy who would become known as John the Baptist. And the angel told Zechariah the reason for his visit is because your prayers have been heard. And he's bringing him an answer. And it wasn't just the prayers of Zechariah for a child, but the prayers of millions of people across the centuries who had prayed for a Savior to be born. And now Zechariah was going to have the son that was going to introduce the Savior of the world to people. God had answered his prayer above and beyond what he could think or imagine. First of all, that he was even going to get to have him while he was in his old age. But secondly, that his son was going to introduce the Messiah. This was mind-blowing, mind-boggling for him. Jesus' birth story reminds us that God hears our prayers and answers. Now, not always as fast as we'd like, right? Anybody else? Feel like it's delayed sometimes? Or the way we imagined it was going to happen. But he still hears us and he answers. So I want to share one of those people in my life, and there's others here who have prayed for him as well. But Jesus Cepeda, dad to Juan Keo, who is, he and Lupe have been with us uh, some early days since um, uh, the Sawchucks were with us. And um, they're, at Co they're at Dwell now, but we've stayed with friends with them and, of course, in touch with them. And Juan's dad had COVID in the early days of the shutdown, and it attacked his lungs to the point where he needed a lung transplant. He wasn't going to live without it. He turned 53 in the ICU here in Hillsboro. Now, when I heard that he'd gone into the hospital with COVID, I began to pray. That's all I knew at that point. But then I began to hear how fragile he was, and I and many others were praying for him. The news, though, was not always that good, friends. He was eventually taken to Seattle where a transplant team determined or were there to determine if his condition would meet the criteria for a successful lung transplant. He did meet the criteria and that set all of us praying again, this time for a great match and healthy set of lungs for him. So I'd pray when I woke up in the night, those sleepless nights. Juan's dad, Jesus, would come to mind. And Jared, mom, and I would pray together before our evening meal. And every time Jesus came to mind, which was often for me, I would pray. Now, Juan would send me updates via text or Facebook. The first transplant, though, was aborted after the lungs that arrived came damaged. So this launched us into a whole nother season of prayer. And the second set of lungs were found several weeks later, and they were transplanted into Jesus, and finally, after some very difficult complications that almost ended his life, Jesus was removed from all machinery, and these new lungs were functioning beautifully, and now he is living in an apartment there by the hospital in Seattle with his wife and his granddaughters there to help too, if we can have that picture up. Yeah, and this is him waiting for the second set of lungs. Yeah. And this is him in his new apartment. 
They even did a video, which many of you would have seen on Facebook. And yes, I applaud that. Did you know that he is the third longest living hospitalized COVID patient in the United States that survived? Yeah, so that's, that's pretty grand. That, that tells you how unusual it was, and God intervened on his behalf. Here's the thing, friends. Don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Even when they're not fast enough, the answers don't seem to be fast enough, even when it's done in a way you didn't expect. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, these words, which we might say are evergreen verses. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What have you been praying for that has left you worried or anxious, that you haven't been able to let go of, that you haven't been able to say, I know you've heard, Lord, so I can leave it here with you? I want you to think about that. You see, when the Lord, when I first got word of Jesus' condition, the Lord just tapped me on the shoulder, if you will. He spoke to me in those quiet way that he does and said, Anne, I want you to pray for him. It's your assignment. And he said, this isn't going to go easy. This was very early on. And he said, this isn't going to go easy. It's going to take longer. And there's, it's going to look like it's hopeless sometimes. But I want you to keep praying for him because I am going to do something here. I did not share that uh, with the family because I didn't want them to get uh, scared, but I just told them that I was praying. The thing is, God hears even when we don't see those answers coming. And I have new people now. Of course, we're praying for Jesus' full recovery and adjustment that the new lungs um, don't go through any rejection problems, all that kind of thing. But there are people that are part of Evergreen that need that kind of prayer, that, that believing prayer where we know that God's heard us. So my question for you is, what about you? Who is it that you're praying for that you've had a hard time really, okay, God's heard this and he's on it. And I can release it to him because that's what your little slip of paper is that you got as you came in today. It's so that you could write down who is it that you're praying for. And I'm inviting you to leave it in the prayer wall back here on both sides of the auditorium as I left mine earlier two days ago. Um, Because it's this thing of I'm saying, Lord, I know you've got this. I know you've heard my prayers. And I'm going to keep contending, but I know you're at work, even though I can't see you, um, what you're doing. So the word to all of us today is to don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. And secondly, we look at the character of Mary. Okay, she's the mom. Don't moms get center stage in the birth story? Yeah, right after baby. Okay, maybe that's the way it should be. How many of us women think so? Yeah, okay. I expect more hands to go up. (laughs) So Mary heard the angel say this, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Luke 2 tells the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. 
you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father's David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Wow. This is going to be quite a birth story, isn't it? So the word for favor here is charis or grace, the same thing that Jared talked about last week, that God has heaped grace upon grace on us, his favors on it, that unmerited favor. We didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, but it's there for us. And Mary received this grace from God. So what did that look like? Well, for starters, let's acknowledge something, that if Mary had spent any time imagining what it was going to be like to have her first baby. This scenario did not enter her mind. This scenario had not crossed her mind. Her first question was, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I'm like, God, how is this going to happen? You know, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. Wow. There was no precedent in anybody else's story in the room. When the moms got together six years after Jesus was born, nobody had Mary's story. Mary could not lean on any other mom's story that she had ever heard about birth. This was unique. So how did Mary respond to God's favor? I mean, he's telling her this is a gift of grace, and it's way outside her box for what it would be like to have a child. Here's how she responded. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Now, friends, Mary's response is nothing short of incredible. This is a woman in her teens about to be married who's going to have a baby that is conceived by God and is going to be the savior of the world. I mean, boom, mind-blowing, okay? Mind-blowing emojis are going up to the sky right now. I want to see some of those online. So, Jared talked about this amazing grace last week that God has shown us, this grace upon grace. And the, what we heard was that all we have to do is receive it. We don't earn it. We don't do anything to get it except say yes to it. Receive it. And that's what Mary did. But perhaps you and I don't always recognize God's grace because it's packaged differently than what we imagined it would be. Just like Mary it wasn't the birth package that she imagined for her first child, but she accepted it, even though it was different. So when Jared and mom got COVID-19 early in the pandemic, God's grace came to me in a person. Her name was Whitney. She's my niece, and she's a trauma nurse who was working with Samaritan's Purse all over the world. And she had set up ICUs in Italy at the onset of COVID and had just returned from Beirut where she had trained two hospitals in care and containment of COVID there. She had just flown in to Eugene, Oregon, the airport, and she got wind that um, they had COVID and she's going to come protect her great Grammy. And she drove straight to our home. Now, she brought me a pulse oximeter, which measures the uh, O2 in the blood and all of the other expertise she had at that time in the pandemic. So first of all, she told me ground zero is the bedrooms where mom and Jared are at, and you need to spend as little time there as possible. She called it the red zone. They appreciated the isolation. 
So she told me to wear gloves and masks for all the interactions. And she said, you must change them every time you've been in the room. You take them off, throw them away, and you do another. Went through two boxes of gloves in 17 days and a lot more masks. And she told me to check their blood oxygen level, um, their oxygen level in the blood three times a day with that pulse oximeter. She told me what it should be and if it reached a certain point, when I should go to the ER for them. She prepared me every which way. She had me wiping down the knobs, the handles, the, um, the counters, um, everything in my house, even though they weren't coming out of their bedrooms, I, over and over again. And of course, washing my hands numerous times. Well, Whitney was a gift of grace. She wasn't the gift I imagined but I knew that God had sent her. I took all of her wisdom and expertise, and I did what she said for 17 days, and literally, by God's grace, my mom and Jared recovered, and I did not get COVID. God's grace. You see, Mary found grace or favor with God, but it did not look like what she would have expected it to or imagined. It was way outside any box she had for having a baby, yet she still made the decision to receive it. And believe you me, there are many people who, who told me I didn't need to listen to some of what Whitney had told me. But I received it as the grace of God and did what she had recommended well, here's what happened to Mary. She didn't just make a decision to receive it. She got excited about it. Luke tells us that she immediately left this angelic encounter and hurried off to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who by now was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And she fully embraced this God's grace gift in her life. And it says she burst into song. We call it Mary's song. It's a famous song, and it's a long song. So I'm just going to give you the first two lines because I think you get the picture. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary was a woman at peace, not afraid. And she's telling us today, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. And then there's Joseph, the dad. Okay, how many men here want to say men get the short shift in this, in this uh, birth story stuff? Oh, nobody dares raise their hand for that, right? <laughs> but Joseph does have something amazing to contribute. He says, do not, this is what the angel told him, do not be afraid, God is at work. So Matthew 1 tells us a story. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph's story reminds us that we don't have to be afraid because God is at work even when we can't see that he's working. We sang about it this morning even when we don't understand how he's working. I'm pretty sure that Joseph was puzzled about how God was going to impregnate his wife. I'm pretty sure that he didn't fully understand how 
that was how that happened and how God did that. Because here we are centuries later, and do you know many, many scholars have tried to explain that? Okay, nobody's figured out the virgin birth ever. And so we know that that was difficult to understand. But I also don't think he fully understood how God was going to do what he said was happening. But this is what we know, that he believed it. Why do we know that? Because it said as soon as he woke up, he took Mary home to be his wife. As soon as he woke up after receiving that word, he believed that God was at work doing what only God could do. So my question for us is this, what's causing you anxiety? What do you need God to do that only God can do? Where do you need Jesus to rescue you? Because Joseph's story reminds us that God is at work even when we can't see him. So in his book, Detours, Sometimes Rough Roads Lead to Right Places, I love that title, Clark Cawthorn, Clark Cawthorn tells us of a Christmas when his family had this unexpected guest. Yes, it was a squirrel that came down their chimney and uh, ended up trapped in their wood-burning stove. And um, he, thought, he wrote about it, and he said, I thought if, he, if this squirrel knew that we were there to help, then I could just reach in and gently remove him because he would know I was trying to help. Okay, how many of you think that worked? Yeah, it didn't. He said, as I reached in, this squirrel began scratching me like a squirrel high on espresso. We finally, he said, managed to capture it. We constructed this cardboard box cage with, and cut a hole in the opening just large enough to fit over the opening of the wood stove into which the squirrel then waltzed. And then we placed the box against the wood burner's door and we let it out into the safety of our backyard. Now, later, he said he thought to himself, isn't it funny how this little visitor had frantically tried to bash its way out of this dark prison of a stove? And the harder he struggled in his own strength to get free, the more pain he caused himself. And in the end, he simply had to wait patiently until one who was much bigger could carry him safely to the larger world where he really belonged. That's us, friends. That squirrel couldn't save himself. He needed someone bigger to come to his rescue. And that's what we need the Lord to do for us. And that's what he did that first Christmas in sending Jesus. You see, Jesus came and he was at work for the whole world, saving us from the things that would separate us from God, the things we think, we say, we do, that are at odds with who God is. And Jesus came and performed this rescue. He is God to the rescue, God at work. And in that is the difference between religion and the gospel because religion is always about what you and I do to reach God, and it's us at work. On the other hand, the gospel is about what God has done to reach out to us, and it's God at work. And today, this goes beyond salvation. That's what I want you to know. It's not just about giving you a ticket from this life to the next life. It is about your story here and now on planet Earth. God is at work in our everyday stories, and he wants you to know he's at work in your story right now. The Bible says that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a very current word. You know, there's a whole line of thinking, deism, where they think that God just created the world, then he stepped back, and he's just a silent observer. 
But that's not what's happening. That's not who God is. He's involved integrally in our everyday lives. And that's what that verse out of Romans 8.28 tells us. God is at work. We don't have to be afraid. No matter what the news is. No matter what we're encountering. And that brings us to the fourth character in Jesus' birth story. The shepherds. And the shepherds heard the angels say, don't be afraid. I have good news for you. Oh, good. We get to the good news. Luke 2 tells us this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great, of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on whom his favor rests. Now, think with me for a minute. These shepherds were just doing what they do every other night. They collect their sheep, making sure that none are lost or out wandering on their own into a flock to protect them. And in the middle of that, God sends them this heavenly visitor to tell them that he has good news for them, for all people. This angelic visit really startled them. One translation says they were sore afraid. You know what sore means? It's megas. It means mega. Our word mega. They were super afraid. It's just another way to say that. Now, I don't know if some of you have ever done that, that startle somebody where you hide around the corner. Yeah. You hide around the corner, and yeah, or maybe several of you do this. Okay, I, I grew up with six kids in our house, so we did this to each other. Okay, now... They come around the corner and suddenly you boo, or they walk in the door and you come from behind the door. Okay, that either works really good or really bad. Just, I can say from experience. Okay, if they, if they have a good punch, that might not be good uh, because they may overreact to that. But it was this kind of startled, scared. And the shepherds were not used to angel visits. And I'm going to tell you that they weren't even used to any visitors of importance. You see, they were part of the lowly, the marginalized. They were part of the distrusted people in their own culture. And here they are receiving this angelic visit. This would have been like out of their mind. I think this is a big scare moment for them. Luke says in the NIV that they were terrified. Now, my Aunt Dottie, the sister that my mom has always spent six months in Yuma with for many years, uh, shared this story with me on one of my trips down to Yuma. Okay, so this is a picture of the two of them. Uh, that's my mom, you know, and she's right over here today. She's going to be 92 on Monday. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's my Aunt Dottie. Okay, and Aunt Dottie's 97, but she was probably 95 at this picture. Okay, they are pretty amazing. Can you tell where they're at? Yeah, that's right. I mean, what else would we do on our way to LA? Okay, but have some good in and out. Well, they're just amazing. But you know, one of the blessings of the trips that I've taken over the years to take them there is hearing their stories. And Aunt Dottie shared this story with me. She recalled the day that she received the news that her husband, Buck, her first husband, a pilot in the army, had been killed in a training exercise. She was eight and a half months pregnant with her third child, Jane. 
She had two other boys, two boys. She heard a knock on the door, and she looked out to see two men in uniform looking somber. Now, if you're in the service and you're a family with someone in the service, you understand what that means. She answered the door and received the news, immediately awash in a lot of emotion. But she told me, you know, I, I'm not really good at, uh, like, what I'm feeling. She says, I knew I feel a lot, but it was an array of emotion. Disbelief and sorrow mixed with a, what now? What now? She understands the power of bad news to ter- terrify or to make someone sore afraid. What's going to happen now, God? And the angel, in this case, understood the shepherd's need for the power of good news to eliminate the fear and bring peace. Because his good news was not just for the shepherds, but for all of us. And it was this news that you and I can live at peace because Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, has come, bringing the good news of the gospel and that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That means that no matter what news we're facing, and we talked about this the first week when we talked about hope, we have a Savior who comes with good news. What do I mean? Are you alone? Do you feel like you're all alone? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. It's a part of his identity. He will never leave us or forsake us or betray us or desert us. And the Bible says that he's faithful even when we're not. Does that give you some peace to know that? It does me because I mess up. And it's not about whether I messed up or not. He's faithful even when we're not. Maybe you or a loved one are facing a difficult diagnosis. Jesus is the great physician. It says that he came for the sick. He came to heal the sick, not those who think they're healthy. And it says that he sent his word and he healed them. It says that by his stripes we were healed. Jesus is the great physician today. He has good news for you. Somewhere in that he has something to speak into your situation about out of who he is. Are you out of funds or with a broken budget or no budget at all? Jesus is our provider. It's a part of his identity um, and part of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And today you can come to him. Are you worried about someone or something that you really care about? Jesus says, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Peter said it this way, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Friends, Jesus has good news in the middle of whatever we're facing. It might not be the news work out the way we thought, but he has good news in the middle of that. He wants to help us. He says, don't be afraid. I have good news for you. Well, Jesus himself went through a hard time as he was going toward the cross, and his followers did. And in John 14, 27, he told them this, hours before his death, Peace I leave with you, my peace, my shalom, my irene, I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, Jesus was not saying that there wasn't going to be any trouble. 
that there wasn't going to be any hardship. That's not what he was saying about his peace. They were going to have peace in spite of the trouble. They would have peace in spite of the conflict. Jesus himself describes himself as troubled as he faced the cross, as it came ever nearer. Just two chapters earlier in John 12, 27, he talks about that. My soul is troubled to the point of death as he contemplated the cross. Jesus had this peace and calm confidence in God that he wants to pass on to us. He had an assurance of the Father's love and approval that he wants to give to us. He had a confidence in the Father's power and purpose in whatever was happening in his life at that moment. And that's what helped him face the suffering that he had to walk through and the hardship that was ahead. But I'm more like his, his disciples than Jesus. Okay? You remember how they did, right? Like his apostles, they weren't always, didn't always share that same confidence. They deserted him when he went to the cross. I falter. I think, how much more, Lord? Or how much more can I take? Or how much longer do I have to wait, God? I'm more like them. And to those of us who share that with me, Jesus wants to say this, I have told you these things today so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So as we start Advent, week three, we light the peace candle. And as we do that, I hope that you will hear the echo of the four angelic visits that each of these people in Jesus' birth story had. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. God is at work, even if you can't see it or understand it right now. Do not be afraid. I have good news for you. Stick with me and I'll show you what it is. Let's pray together. Jesus, we simply ask that you would help us to be people of peace, people of shalom this week, that we would have everything that we need for our well-being. Lord, we're not asking that everything go perfectly because we know that it won't, but we're asking that in the middle of it, we would hear what you're saying to us. We would recognize your grace as it comes to us. And Lord, that we would see um, what you want to bring to us, what you want to do for us, and how you want to answer our prayer. Lord, help us to have that awareness this week and help us to extend your peace to those around us in their own difficulties. Lord, would we remember that and jump right in to pray for people when they're sharing their difficult situations, knowing that you hear our prayers. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, would you help us to be God's grace to others this week, good news in their lives this week, whatever their needs are, whatever things they present to us. Lord, help us to be your arms and your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece this week, bringing your peace, your shalom everywhere we go. That's our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.